The United Nations of Horror is a podcast about all things horror. Our three hosts hail from different parts of the globe. This gives our listeners a unique perspective. From modern horror classics of yesteryear to the newest releases. From horror novels to historic horror books. If it's about horror, you can be sure that it will indeed be a part of the conversation. Please visit us online at www.unhpodcast.com. We invite you to come interact with us on facebook.com slash groups slash UN of Horror and on Twitter at twitter.com slash UNH podcast. And now we welcome you back into our dungeon of diabolical delights. Welcome to the United Nations of Horror. Welcome back to the United Nations of Horror, an international podcast about all things horror. I am your host for this edition, Alucard Dragomir, and I am joined by my fellow co-host. He's got a podcast himself, that being The Good, The Bad, and The Odd at www.thegoodthebadneyod.com. The Doctor of Horror, Mark Kane. Mark, how have you been? Pretty good. Oh, I love this lockdown. It's terrible, isn't it? It just suits <laughs> me down to the ground. I'm the same people. way. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. We're we're both horrible, Mark. <laughs> yeah, this is my this is my jam. You know, staying in a little room and not having to interact with people, apart from you, lovely people, of course. Exactly, uh, yeah. you guys are great. All of our listeners, terrible. they're great, but everybody else, terrible. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Uh, so uh, yeah, doing fine. Yes, thank you. Glad to have you. I'm also joined by the editor of Scared Sacred Idolatry Religion and worship in the horror film, as well as countless other wonderful reviews and articles on horror, be sure to check out her terrific website over at www.holpublishing.com. Rebecca Booth, Becky, you have been uh, just a little bit busy as of late. How are you doing? Hi, I have been, yes, indeed, but I am glad to be back and talking to you both. It's been It's been a while, hasn't it? too long it's been a while since we've done a recording we have been doing the twitchy now and again um which is probably worth t- telling people a little about if they may not have caught it uh but uh, so we have kept things on the boil for the uh, unh community but uh in terms of recordings yes it's been a while yeah yeah i wanted to talk about that uh get a little housekeeping section here i do want to thank everyone who has joined us for unh gets twitchy it's uh it's been a lot of fun and it's just great to interact with all the listeners. So for those who don't know, we, we've just pretty much been doing these watch-alongs through Twitch. If you sign up, there's a nice little chat on the side, and then we play the movies. And, uh, for example, we just got through with uh, Haxon. Yeah, Haxon was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, interesting film, lots of imagery to talk about. But we kind of had to have a fun time, don't we? You know, drinking and stuff. <laughs> we do, yeah. and... Just to mention as well that they are all films in the public domain. Oh, yes. So that makes it quite selective. And also uh, during Hexan, we had some silent shots before it, which was really fun. Yeah, it was nice to see some George Melia. You don't often see it very often, so it's uh, it was kind of interesting. Uh, and it's not a nice way to kick off a, si- a silent movie like Hexan. Um, uh, but... Uh, 
so we've been kind of trying to do that once a month. We had a little break, didn't we, from between the last uh, few? But um, it's pretty, you know. Just keep an eye on the Facebook group, the UNH Facebook group, and to see it get announced. Uh, but it, it's a lot of fun. It's very simple. A Twitter account is free. You just sign up and go to the link, and you're in. And you can watch the movie and talk with us at the or everyone involved at the same time. And when I say talk, it's typing. So you, it can be intimidating to talk to strangers. We don't do that. We're typing. So we're talking to each other through words, not actual voices. So, uh, so you know, don't be nervous. Don't be shy. Come join us. Absolutely. I think it's it's really a fun way to interact. You know, especially uh, we kind of started it initially because of the lockdown and. It's just kind of evolved into its own fun little thing. Uh, and, you know, like you guys said, we we do a little bit of the uh, the drinking games, which we make up the rules to as we go along. So it's just always a fun time. Uh, I really enjoy it. And I can an- announce that the next UNH gets twitchy. Um, it is going to be officially announced on the Facebook group soon as far as the date. But we are planning to do Werewolf versus Vampire Woman later in May. I don't have an exact date for that. We'll narrow it down and we'll get that announcement out on the Facebook group and probably a little um, audio advertisement as well. Also, I wanted to just kind of quickly address a few concerns that have been brought up about the podcast on Facebook and just say that we're not going anywhere, guys. Uh, we're still here. A lot of it has been my fault because I've had some health issues I've been dealing with. The podcast is not going anywhere. In fact, I'm, I'm hoping to kind of get it more back on track and make it more interactive because that was the intent when we started this thing. You know, we wanted it to be interactive, interactive with our, our listeners and everyone. And I, I've sort of failed in that aspect. And, and for that, I do apologize. But, um, you know, it's it's been a rough couple of months, I think, for everybody. I don't have to tell you guys that, but... But we're getting back on track, and we've kind of started that with a little redesign of the website, which we're working out some bugs on that. So, you know, please be sure to check that out. And just want to thank everyone who has been uh, sticking with us through these difficult times, especially, you know, the couple of months we've gone and not had a a new episode. But we're going to try to get back on track. Mark and Becky, you guys are awesome, and the listeners, you guys are awesome as well. We are going to be going strong from now on, I hope. So uh, keep listening. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's get to our topic tonight. Twenty twenty, as we said, it was a rough year. Reality overtook anything that the horror genre had to offer. But despite that, there were some really great films that came out last year. So on this edition, Mark and Becky, you guys will be talking about I think we've got a total of ten films, but we're gonna also talk a little bit about television and as well as some of the the worst things to come out in 2020. Mark, I'm going to start with you, your number five, best of 2020. Yeah, before I start, though, I have to say that the year rated against the film is highly variable. Some films were released in 2019 and didn't come out to 2020 in certain areas, like the UK was sometimes different from other places, and so on. Uh, and we've not been that strict, so some of these movies you'll say, no, that's a 2019, or even that's a two. 
2021. What are you talking about? But, you know, let's just roll with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so my number five is a film called Promising Young Woman. Whisper something in your ear. Good God almighty. You know, they put themselves in danger, girls like that. It was a perverted thing to say. You'd think you'd learn by that age, right? Please lay down. What are you doing? It's okay, you're safe. What are you doing? Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? One, two, three, four. I thought we had a connection. Okay. How old am I? What are my hobbies? What's my name? It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I wanted to be a doctor my whole life. Lately, I've been feeling like I might want to get back into it. This is a film uh, starring Kerry Mulligan. It horror, kinda. It's more a thriller than a horror, uh, and uh, it's got raises some very interesting points. I um, found it quite upsetting in places. Some of the sort of things that happened especially towards the end which i'm not going to spoil i'm not going to spoil this film uh but uh, it was also uh quite entertaining it was funny in places carrie mulligan was a tour de force in this she was absolutely fantastic uh it is described on wikipedia as a black comedy thriller uh, and it just about it's very dark comedy um uh, the essential premise, and I don't want to go into too much because there was more, is a woman is kind of, first you see a kind of drunk and a bit helpless uh, club and a guy tries to take her home. But when they get to his home, she's not drunk at all. She is completely in control of things. And she's basically there to make the guy understand what, his behavior why his behavior is unacceptable and she spends her nights and evenings doing this she's she's basically really angry about something uh, and she's kind of uh, and it involves men and women and, and stuff and stuff like that uh, and she's working through her issues it's kind of a self-therapy in many ways, it's like, uh, you know, the angry young man films you sometimes see. If you want to go really fast, something like Taxi Driver is a kind of a female version of that, uh, in a, in a, in a kind of an interesting way. It's a gut punch ended. It definitely is that, but it's, it's uh, a good film. It's a good thriller stroke. It's kind of almost not quite horror, but real close adjacent to horror. And as I say, Kerry Mulligan's really terrific in it. Other actors in it are Alison Brie and Clancy Brown, just so you're aware of it. But uh, I really enjoyed this one. It's recently shown, it's premiered recently in the UK on Sky it, it, in the last week or so. And it does feed into the, and they're pushing it from the sort of Me Too angle. But it's kind of, um, it's not that, I don't consider this a niche film. This will still be, 
an important, I think, and an interesting film in 10 or 20 years. Um, I don't think it'll date as such. Um, but there's some interesting stuff going on. Uh, I have heard it described quite an interesting way, uh, as almost like the flip side of, I'm trying to remember, there's a, a film where these guys get a stripper and accidentally kill the stripper. Uh, and I'm trying to remember what it's called, something like, horrible people or something like that. <laughs> I'm huh. not being very useful. Uh, it's, God, I I'll look that I think up. Family Guy even makes fun of that film and I'm trying to think of what it is too. Um, um, Summit People. Um, uh, and it's so, almost like a flip-sized version of that, of like people that treat um, like strippers or whatever as sort of inhuman, you know, yeah. or, or subhuman. There's a sort of comeuppance aspect to to that in this film promising young woman have you seen it becky yeah i mean it's it's real life horror i would say yes yes it's very difficult to talk about it in any way i think um without spoiling it or absolutely and in terms of some of the controversy and areas that people have problems with again it's really hard to talk about but definitely an engaging discussion maybe one we should cover on the podcast yeah well, I, I agree i think there's some interesting things to be covered uh which is kind of why i don't want to talk about it too much here uh, i just want to say if you haven't seen it it's worth seeing it's it's um, it's up there um and give it a try uh if you've got um just be aware if if you um have uh sort of issues oh i don't know how to say this um it could be triggering for some people so you may wish right. to sort of understand a bit more about it before you see it so uh just be aware of that so yeah but great that's my number five yes cool that's definitely one i'm gonna have to seek out as well it sounds very fascinating and uh as you said probably one to cover on the show as well in a full form episode becky your number five please so my number five was host Hi guys. Hey Gina. Caroline. Hi Teddy. Let's do a shot glass to us. Hey everyone, get in. Three, two, one. Have you ever done anything like this before? I've never done this over Zoom. Obviously we're not physically together, but there's no reason why Spirit can't communicate over the internet. Nothing's going to happen. Visualise us sitting in a circle. Spirit, we invite you to use us to pass on any communication. Is there anyone there? Please come forward. What was that? Amy, was that you? I heard it. I heard something. I think there's something here. Oh, Emma, oh, funny. You know, we've connected with something. We gotta keep going. We gotta talk to it. This is not good. I told you not to disrespect the spirits. It could be something demonic. Hey, this is all you want. Emma, turn the filters off. Come on. Oh. 
this is horror at its best. It's a truly innovative concept that's born from and created within you know this specific context of the pandemic it will mark this cultural event um, that we've all experienced globally and it all started with one of the filmmakers messaging another i think at about four o'clock in the morning with the words zoom seance <laughs> so the thing is zoom is like a seance anyway <laughs> exactly exactly and it is it, it's beautiful it touches on the horror of what we've experienced, I think, these this past year, not only the, the terrible loss that so many have experienced uh, in so many different facets, but just the mundane aspects, the horror of Zoom, for example, um, and just trying to navigate this online digital world. But it's that simple, you know, Zoom seance. It, I just think it's so clever. And though the construction's elaborate uh, in terms of the distance direction from the filmmakers to actors having to rig their own stunts in many cases it's so effectively simple i think in its create uh, creativity and it's really refreshed the found footage genre using the latest technology and like i say this, this cultural uh, context so rather than seeing limitations as obstacles it does what any good horror does and utilizes them um in this case to to frame the film and, you know, it's made by horror fans. The influences are so notable. The Zoom um, chat code at the beginning to enter the room is actually the original date that Ghostwatch aired in the UK. Oh, nice. nice. Um, and then anybody who worked it out when they did a Twitter watch along the cast and crew was able to enter the Zoom chat party afterwards. Which I thought was yeah. quite clever. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that is clever. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great film uh there were some similar ones that i've seen uh pr- i think prior to it like unfriended um but i think yeah. uh, host was uh, a level above those in terms of scary uh host was pretty damn effective uh there was maybe a one or two moments when it was a bit goofy uh but it turns out they were intentionally goofy because someone was having a bit of a laugh about this thing before it happened but i like the whole premise of you've accidentally invited something in uh <laughs> and again we don't really want to spoil these i guess but right um it was it was uh pretty damn good i accidentally watched the wrong film by mistake uh for this i watched one called hosts avoid just <laughs> host host singular is what you are not host. watch host uh, not host yes host was <laughs> terrible um so uh, yes, I I really liked Host. It's it's in my honorable mentions for this. Yeah, I've really warmed up to it. You know, my first viewing was sort of in the midst of COVID, and and I think maybe that's why I really didn't take to it too much at first. But a second viewing, really, I was like, man, there's some really good stuff in this, and even the the special effects that the actors did themselves are really quite impressive. It's amazing that you can make. A horror movie out of so little. Uh, it's very impressive filmmaking. And uh, I believe it's available exclusively on Shudder, correct? It is, yes. And I also have the special edition Blu-ray from Second Sight, which is great. Oh, nice. I didn't realize there yeah. was a Blu-ray, so even better. It's limited edition. I think there's like 2,000 copies. I'm not sure if there's any more available now, but it came with all like collector's cards and a booklet with the script in, which was quite fun. But, you know, the the film is British. That's another great point, I think. It's a really exciting time for British horror. And, um, you know, coming out of 2020 and all the setbacks from simply, uh, as Mark was saying, you know, dates being pushed back, release dates, production dates, all sorts. But 
I can't wait to see where the filmmakers go next. And I know that Jed Shepard, who wrote the film along with uh, Gemma Hurley, um, he is actually tackling the the lack of industry funding for British films, specifically horror, in the film community. And he has a Kickstarter at the moment for his next project, which I think is called Ghosts. And it's a live action horror game starring the actors from Host. Oh, I'd love to see that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, I like this film a lot. Actually, I thought it was uh, it was very solid. I did say in my letterbox review of this, this takes the uh, the average Zoom meeting feeling that you're in a séance and takes it to its logical extreme. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone knows, finally knows what's going on with a Zoom meeting, right? <laughs> that's what that's all about. Even to the length. Mark, we are going to your number four. My number four is Saint Maud. Dear God, your presence graces the air. Everyone will see. Hi, you, Maud? Yes, hi. It takes nothing special to mop up after the dying. You're prettier than the last one. But to save a soul, that's quite something. Bless Amanda's body and bless her mind, which is shrouded in darkness. When you pray, do you get a response? Oh. Like he's physically in me. It's how he guides me. My little savior. Hey, I thought that was you. What are you up to? I'm a private carer. You're still nursing? What? They know what happened. All the good girls go to hell. Cause even got herself. I just want to see you loosen up. I've got more important things on my mind. <laughs> There's my little face. Maud, he isn't real. <laughs> Nothing worthwhile comes easily. The good girls go to You must be the loneliest girl I've ever seen. I'm ready and open. I feel fuller of your love than ever before. I have a responsibility. Oh yes, of course. This is life and death on another level. If I'm getting it all wrong. All the good girls go to now, again, if you if you look at this on sort of IMDb or or Letterboxd, it might say 2019, but it definitely didn't come out until 2020 and be available. Uh, now, this is an interesting sort of psychological study. It's a, about a rather introverted woman who uh, is nursing. Uh, this older lady who's played by Jennifer Earl, who that name may be recognisable so, to certainly in the UK to so older people. She was some, you know, on a lot of quite rather fun TV dramas in a certain period. Um, uh, now this is a character study of a woman. It's kind of possibly madness. It's certainly psychological issues 
uh, of this this young lady who uh, is is kind of doesn't quite understand her place in the world and sort of lashes onto things way too much and becomes obsessive uh, and she's sort of acting as a nurse uh and but then it continues in many ways it's a kind of a modern version of something like repulsion um uh and it's kind of um it's quite affecting it's got even a touch of folk horror maybe uh, becky have you seen this you've seen this right yep i have indeed yeah, yeah. Um, it's a touch of folk horror even, uh, and it's kind of, it also reminded me of, um, the ending of Black Narcissus 2, uh, which is a great film and a great end. Um, there, there's kind of, uh, elements of sort of, uh, madness, uh, and, uh, there's touches of nuns. Now, you can never go wrong with a nun in a movie, right? Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's, it's kind of, there's some interesting stuff that is ambiguous. I still don't understand some of the things that were going on uh, in this movie. And I, I think it was also possibly a, a statement about extreme loneliness when people just have not got anyone they can communicate or interact with and how they start interacting with the rest of the world to try and break that loneliness. Um, uh, and it was kind of sad as well. Uh, but yeah. I, I it was a pretty effective film yeah yeah it really affected me too i mean i i felt so bad for her uh she just seemed like such a, a lonely person uh which the the lady she's caring for even mentions at one point you know and it's just uh really sad i, I think it also has a lot of commentary on uh religion as well you know yeah um, and morality relative morality like right. she's lonely but she insists on you know, being not puritanical, but certainly highly moralistic. But we actually see her actions as not. She's trying to repress it, her you know, certain emo, um, feelings and desires, uh, and they kind of erupt in different ways. Uh, and uh, it's 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 about repression as well, which is what repulsion is also about. So it's kind of a companion piece to repulsion in many ways, which was made like what seven. 60 years ago now or something like that um but they've got a similar 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 vibe actually uh i really like this one which is why it's my number four yeah me too and i think it's got some really interesting things to say about caregiving and disability and aging in terms of the the women the the two central characters in their relationship um and it was a powerhouse performance from both of them from both of them yeah um, indeed. i really thought Another film it's kind of, kind of similar to, but not as nutty, is uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. It's that kind of day. Two people yes. in a house uh, and sort of uh, tearing chunks out of each other, but kind of inter- interdependent as well. Um, there's a bit of that. Uh, so, yeah, interesting film. Yeah. I, I think this one is... Maybe I wasn't prepared for the type of film it was, but it's a very somber film in a lot of ways. Like you, you will definitely, uh, when you watch it, 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 you know, you will probably come away a bit sadder from it. And, you know, it makes you reflect on your own life, I believe. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's effective filmmaking right there for sure. Yes. And it looked great too it was almost black yeah. and white in places wasn't it the color tones yeah sort um, of like a, a sepia almost yeah yeah it was it was just shot in with color drained out of the uh 
uh, of any of the scenes um, in yeah. many respects. And kind of a minimalist soundtrack as well. Um, oh, indeed, yes. I think really works in its favor because it, it it feels very much like it's based in reality in the real world, which helps the film quite a lot, I think. Yes, indeed. It shares many, many. There are there are several really good films which are kind of portraits of uh, women going through sort of possibly madness. Um, and as I say, repulsion. Uh, there's possession as well. That's, that's another one that's similar. And uh, St. Maud is a sort of um, in that arena as well. It's kind of a uh, so good, good movie. Becky, uh, your number four, please. My number four is The Vigil. And that, in some ways, from Mark's point just now, is the opposite, I think, the film, in which a man is asked to act as a shoma, the ritualistic practice of watching over a deceased member of his former Orthodox Jewish community, which is now left. And he's wrestling with his own demons. He takes the job because he needs the money and finds himself at the mercy of a malevolent entity, uh, a mazik. In the other show, where was he? Oh, the show is a definition of mal. We all think I'm not sure. Help more. He needs to leave now. You sign it, Phil? Mrs. Litvak? This is Litvak. Do you want some tea? There's something evil in this house. To go now. It won't let you leave. What won't let me leave? If you run out, the magic will make you crawl right back. I really, really enjoyed this. It's the feature debut of writer-director Keith Thomas, and it's a really authentic Jewish horror about life, loss death, faith, uh, how darkness and evil manifests via human guilt. And it's it's a really quiet, effectively creepy film that takes place, again, all in the one location in the house. And for me, it, it was quite refreshing in that it went against the grain in a couple of ways that I can't give away. But it takes place in real time, and it just really hit every narrative note for me. And I think, did you watch this one, Mark? I did, and I agree, actually. It's, in many respects, very similar to St. Maud, uh, but a more uplifting um, yes, that's version, perfect, yeah. I would say. Um, yeah, I really like this. Uh, you brought it to my attention, so I thought I'd give it a watch, uh, and I'm glad I did. I have to say, uh, it was it felt it was a good film, 
I didn't feel it was anything special until we got to the last 10 minutes, which really elevated the film for me, actually. Uh, and I thought it was a great film. Um, there was just something about how it resolved. As you say, it went against the grain mm-hmm. that I found quite elevating. Actually. Yes. That's, yeah, I would, so, would you say it's a slow burn kind of film? It's slow, yes, yes. It's a suspense rather than jump scares, for sure. There are jump scares in it, having said that, but they are definitely earned. They're not cheap. Yes, and when I say authentic Jewish horror, it isn't like uh, the film, for example, is it The Possessed? With Jeffrey D. Morgan about the Dibbuk box, and it's uh, just this very superficial storyline in terms of the, the Jewish mythology behind yeah. it whereas this is is very very authentic and um yeah, yeah no I, I thought it was i thought it was an absolutely brilliant film great performances all around a single location mostly quite creepy i i thought and the uh the mazik was something that i haven't personally seen on screen no it was it was really interesting as well as you say we're learning a bit of mythology that we we're not familiar with uh there's lots of different mythology we're all familiar with but this was quite unusual but there was enough in it to be kind of familiar with how it might precipitate i think uh again it reminded me of repulsion uh also pie reminded me of aronofsky's pie somewhat um uh but uh again uh, a very I really like the last 10 minutes. I think it elevated the material so much and it was pretty good material, but nothing I haven't seen before. Uh, but there was something about that ending. I really liked Mark over to you for your number three, right? We, we are shifting tone completely here. This is again, it's a horror Jason. It's not really horror. But it is a little subgenre I really love. I really love this subgenre. Uh, and it's uh, humans hunting humans. Yes. Uh, which all started with the Hounds of Zaroff, or the most dangerous game in 1931, I think, 32. Uh, almost a precursor of King Kong, actually, because Faye Ray was in in this and it, this was almost this movie was almost a screen test however we've had many many films that cover this and many of them really well thought of the you know battle royale at one end there's also you know uh, the running man the <laughs> the um hunger games there's all sorts yeah. uh but this is a kind of a latest twist on that 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 convention a convention i, I truly love and it's called the hunt Sir, how about a glass of champagne? Perfect. Huh. What I'm losing weight. Put him in the back with the rest. Oh, I can't use that. Just point and shoot. Everybody get down! I know what this is. Mannergate. Every year, these rich elites kidnap a bunch of normal folks like us. Where'd they get you from? Wyoming. Orlando. Mississippi. This is a real thing. They're hunting human beings for sport. Then you're not human beings. Help you? What state is this? Most people know where they are. All right, most people. You're in the glorious state of Arkansas, sweetheart. Everyone is lying. 
has to be a reason they chose us. I'm not going down without that. War is war. You have no idea what you're up against. They picked the wrong woman. This is a wild game of survival. <laughs> this is an American film, uh, and the twist is this. This is about angry white liberals in America deciding to hunt rednecks or working class Americans, Americans they don't agree with politically, Americans they think are below them. Uh, so there's a twist there. They've decided to hunt this, and we do find out through the film how this all came about and why it's happening. Um, now it's an interesting film, and I know you've seen this, Lucard, right? I know you've seen this one. Yeah, I um, love it <laughs> because it's it's just terrific. And I, I was tempted to watch it again today, and I've watched it twice in the last few weeks anyway. And I'm probably going to go back and watch it again soon because I really enjoyed it. It is funny. It's yes. <laughs> um, I've seen some commentaries on it that say this satire is really broad and goofy. And uh, yeah, it is, but I don't care because it's so thoroughly entertaining. And what really makes it is the lead protagonist, uh, played by Beth, Betty Gilpin. She is so good. Oh, she this, nails it. This film could be be just titled this title, and it would totally work. Which is, uh, how pissed off can a woman be? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. She is so angry at being in the, you know, she is really, really angry about what's going on. Interesting film because it starts and we see these people kind of, um, there, there's a bit of before this, which I won't go into, but there's a bit, it basically, uh, the main section of the film starts with people kind of waking up, but being kind of having gags around their mouth, which, uh, they've got keys to unlock for each other. They, they, I think there's 11 people. Um, uh, uh, but they wake up in the clearing and try and figure what's going on. And as they're trying to figure it out, someone starts shooting at them. And there's weird stuff happening. There's one bit they get a box delivered, and when they open it, a, a pig wearing an American shirt runs out and starts running around. Um, so it's kind of hinting at Lord of the Flies, maybe. And it keeps following a different character, and you think that's the character this film's going to be about. So we'll have a few minutes on this character trying to escape this mayhem, and suddenly they'll get shot in the head, or something will happen. And and then you're like, well, it isn't them. And then it goes to the next person. So you you kind of they deliberately confuse you as an audience member of who you're, you know, siding with. Uh, and it keeps shifting, but eventually it settles on one character, uh, and that is the main character. And man, there's some fun stuff in this. It's bonkers. Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, I really, really enjoy it. Um, it plays the conventions on it, on its head somewhat. At one point, this main protagonist sort of takes out some of the hunters in a bunker, and one of them's uh, a woman who she injures, who's trying to kill her, but she sort of incapacitates this woman just you know before she can be killed uh and at one point then she puts a gun to this woman's head but there's a guy helping her and he still says you can't just shoot her she's a woman <laughs> and uh and, and our main protagonist looks at the woman and says do you think because you're a woman you need preferential treatment and this is a like a white liberal <laughs> talking and she says no i need to be treated equally so the our protagonist just shoots her in the head <laughs> yeah which maybe yeah all right that sounds bad but honestly 
in in context it's rather wonderful uh and honestly that she is is such a good performance and it's such an entertaining film uh and i i just really really enjoy this film um so uh okay it's not entirely horror but it's horrific what these people are doing to other people okay. um yeah there's a the lot of they're blood doing it yeah so um it's uh, it's a good fun film I really enjoyed the hunt a lot. Um, and honestly, the more I think about it, the more I think, should I have made that number one for me? But uh, there are better horror films than this. So I've kept it at number three for me. So yeah, really enjoyed this. Big recommend for me. It's almost like a female version of something like uh, Falling Down. You know, we get these films about really pissed off men or or men going through some sort of trauma and dealing with it. You know, there's like the recent The Joker, for example, right. falling down, or even if you go back to Taxi Driver again. But this is a woman put in a situation, uh, and I just love some of her attitudes. I, lo- I mean, what sums up me, there's one scene in the film that sums up the whole film for me. There's a one point that they cut the, she's with a guy who's also trying to escape, and he's saying... Oh man, we got a chance. We can get away from this, right? And she just sits there, goes, nah. <laughs> She's not letting these people that have done this to her off the hook. It's just not happening. Uh, yeah. And that sums up this character really well. Uh, and she, she does it so deadpan as well. It's amazing. This is not the woman you want to mess with. No. Um, so yeah, I would thoroughly recommend this film. I think I suggested to you, Becky, I know you're, you're having a difficult time not too long ago. I said, watch the hunt. You'll enjoy it. Uh, yeah, but, I still uh, haven't seen it, but from what you've said, it sounds like it would be in a similar vein and a nice pairing perhaps with, uh, your next tonally. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, one of the other things I want to say about it, and again, I, I, this avoids spoilers, is that the main drivers behind what's going on in the film, both the antagonism and the, the protagonism, is women. Uh, and I find that really interesting. It's, it's a film that isn't about, you know, the usual rules about women in film, they're only there to do this, that, and the other. This is feel, uh, not a film like that. And Promising Young Woman is the, the same, actually. Uh, the, the, this, it's got the same. So, um, I, I, I appreciated it from that point of view too, but it's just a thoroughly entertaining film and I really liked it. And it's very short. No, I think it's a 90 minutes in out proper action fun film. Yeah, I felt like it was just right. I mean, it just, it nails everything right for me, and I can't say enough good things about this one. I've only seen it the one time, but I definitely want to get a Blu-ray physical copy of this. Yeah, I think I will too, yeah. Becky, you're number three, I believe? Yes, and again, just touching on what Mark was saying there, this is a film directed by a woman. It's her feature debut. Natalie Erica James is Relic. When was the last time you spoke to her? It's been a few weeks. Gran? Mom? Mom! She called me a few weeks ago. I think she was scared. She thought someone was coming into the house. Do you know where you were, Mum? I suppose I went out. 
What's this? I was on the property when your grandfather inherited it. His mind wasn't there in the end. You can't put Gran in a home. She can't live on her own anymore. She has to be watched. Everything all right, Gran? I thought this was where it got in. Who? Whoever it was coming into the house. Mum, what is it? It's here. Under the bed. There's nothing under the bed, Mum. Will you check for me? I'm here to help you, Mum. I can see you. Relic Witch. Um, I, I seem to be very introspective with my choices at the moment, but this is such a beautiful film. And if I had to describe it in one word, I think it would be haunting. On the first watch, I felt a little bit cheated by it by the end of the film. Um, but over the next few like days and weeks, I couldn't stop thinking about the the complexity and the nuances. And it is basically about a multi-generational family. So the granddaughter, mother and grandmother. And the mother has some kind of issue with the grandmother and hasn't been home in a very long time. And the grandmother isn't doing too well and goes missing. She turns up. And then we're wondering what's happened. Is it supernatural? And it straddles that line quite a bit. But it's a really tragic film in a lot of ways. And like I say, it's a multi-generational look at familial issues. So trauma, fractured relationships, remembrance, legacy, decay in terms of illness and time. And it, it really brought my heart. And if you, you know, again, it's, this might be a bit of a trigger warning in some ways, because if you are a caregiver or, you know, somebody um, that you're close to has experienced any kind of psychological illness or neurological illness, then, it, you know, it's, it's a hard watch. But it just shows you that, you know, people are human and it looks at illness in the way that we as a society, I think, and disability and caregiving again, in a similar way to St. Maud, um, in terms of the monstrosity that society puts on difference, you know, illness, disability, um, and it, it shows you that no matter what, you know, love is the main thing. And, you know, even from a fractured family, how everyone can come together. And um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see where she goes next. Um, Natalie, Erica James, and I think she has several shots that you can watch on her website, which I'd recommend checking out. But this was, um, and it's a bit of a trend, I think, as well at the moment in terms of the films I'm talking about, that it's a really exciting time for horror film in terms of first with people's feature debuts and like saying British film with host and, and what the filmmakers are going on to do next. Yeah, I kind of agree with you about this film, Becky. Uh, it was uh, uh, pretty solid. It, um, 
I wouldn't put it in my top five, uh, but I thought it was uh, it had some things to say uh, about some of the subjects you just mentioned. Um, I feel there was also a sort of um, an aspect of circularity uh, in what was going on too, like suggestion that this would keep reoccurring. In many ways, it reminded me of Hereditary as well, uh, but I think this was a better film than Hereditary, personally. It was like there were some bits that were proper... You know, <laughs> you feel yourself clenching uh, <laughs> as you watched it. So, yeah, it was very effective. Yeah, and from a technical standpoint as well, I think the third act was brilliantly executed, particularly in the way that the film manifests the psychological horror onto the screen. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, there was some clever stuff going on. Um, it's hard to talk about, isn't it, without... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there was one thing I li- did like that they dropped some things in during the film to sort of suggest that this is uh, possibly like Alzheimer's or dementia going on, which I think they kind of brought front, forward and centre, that then made you think it wasn't that, and then but they dropped in the odd line here or there that the, the matriarch said that made you think, that sounds like someone with dementia rather than what we... Th- we've seen other sides to this um so it kind of wrong footed you the audience which in a good way in a good way um uh made you sort of catch on your toes absolutely and i think no matter what you can also read the ending uh metaphorically in terms of um that uh aspect as well that, yeah, that line. so indeed. Yeah, no, I just thought it was a really, really beautiful film. And maybe it's because it was quite personal to me that, you know, it really affected me more so. But, um, yeah, I just thought, I mean, it was creepy too, I must say. The way that shadows were used in the house uh, as, uh, you know, in terms of um, just furniture and little things, how that played into the potential illness or the supernatural aspect was, was really well executed. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a decent film. I didn't love as much as you. But I really liked it. Yeah. So, Mark, your number two. My number two is Parasite, the Oscar winner, Parasite. Now, I, I know that everyone's going to say, oh, no, it was 2019. But it, it did not get released in the UK until 20, uh, February 2020. It was just before lockdown started in the UK, about six weeks before. Um, uh, so uh, I didn't see it until 2020, and I'm sticking to my guns here. This is a 2020 film. <laughs> there you go. Me. Um, so, uh, directed by uh, Bong Joon Ho, uh, and uh, it's uh, almost again another kind of allegory kind of story. Uh, it's uh, you know uh, a rich family employs a member. We see a poor family really struggling. You know, it's a mother, father, uh, daughter, brother, and so on, uh, sort of struggling. Uh, but they. Um, eventually firstly i think uh let me think of the order it's been a while since i watched this i think the father gets a job as a chauffeur and then suggest starts suggesting as he finds out these these this richer family need staff to do something he's just i know someone that can do that and gets his own family members in but doesn't tell the rich family their family members as far as they're concerned they're just different people um uh, and he gets his wife in as the housekeeper. He gets his daughter in as the teacher. They got this rich family have got a very difficult. It's a couple with a with a boy, young boy, uh, son, uh, uh, who's very very difficult. Um, 
uh, and the the uh, the daughter of the poorer family comes in as a, t- a sort of specialist teacher, and it goes on for. Actually, I just realised though the first person that gets in is the son who. Uh, a friend comes to him and says, look, I've got to go overseas, but I'm a tutor to this family, uh, and I think you could sort of take over for me. And it all escalates. And basically, the poor family kind of fall in the rich family, but the poor guy, the, the poorer family are actually doing a pretty good job in what they're doing. You know, they're effective. The daughter actually is a very effective teacher, a mentor, and um, sort of guide to to the child and who seems to get much better under her tutelage uh so it's kind of interesting that they they make themselves they inveigle themselves into this home and and sort of actually to the good of the home but greed kind of overtakes it uh, and stuff happens um uh, and we won't go into it more than that i don't know a lot of people may have seen this film but it's a really wonderful sort of sort of developing sort of movie i like his work anyway i quite a lot um, you know he's done a lot of interesting things the host i really liked and stuff like that yeah. um uh, and slow piercer but i thought this was a really sort of interesting sort of study and it, it again it's an allegory of society you know the rich and the poor but the thing is the rich guy uh, people weren't that terrible they were fine they were quite nice people uh so it was kind of <laughs> It was a bit more sophisticated than you'd expect from this kind of material. So I really like this one. Very cool. Um, I have not seen this one yet either, but uh, it sounds interesting. And I guess the, the whole thing between the rich and the poor, that's definitely in the news. It's uh, on everyone's minds lately, I think. So I guess horror is sort of uh, taking that on. The only thing wrong with the film, I think, is there's some events that happen near the end that are quite quite drastic and the precipitating factors for those events seem, you know, they shouldn't have precipitated this reaction because they're not that bad. Basically, one, one uh, I won't say because it's, <laughs> uh, uh, but basically it's a bit like me calling someone an idiot and getting stabbed in the face for doing it. It's a kind of overreaction, right? <laughs> so, you know, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that, but we can't give it away yeah, yeah, in terms of there's, there's a major plot point and there's there's a lot of influences uh, in terms of the, like previous films I think that all bleed into this narrative and you know the complexity as Mark said um, it's not just a straight kind of you know rich poor scenario but there's also something else that's that's at play again that's, that's based on that um, yeah. that's, that structure that dynamic but Indeed. Um, this is societal it's not even horror really it's a, well it is it's real life horror but it's it's societal analysis you know what can go wrong when people don't respect each other kinda is is what's going on in this mm. kinda there's more to it than that you know they get into this house and they do the house good but they do it under false pretenses very and you know and get people fired out of their jobs and stuff like that so it's it, they're not entirely nice people um and it's kind of hard to sympathize with them in, in some ways uh with some of the actions they do uh, and the, as i say the rich people aren't presented as monsters either they're kind of quite polite nice people in the main but uh, naive. <laughs> Say again? naive yes um uh but it's uh it precipitates into sort of uh a crescendo of 
stuff. Uh, it's one of these things that uh, there's something in the zeitgeist at the minute where films are about uh, stuff happening that precipitates an awful event. Uh, and pr- Promising the Young Woman is kind of like that too. Uh, and Parasite is part of that, I think. Tonight, we've hopefully brought to light the impact that films have made and can make on our lives as individuals and on society as a whole. And the Oscar goes to Parasite. Parasite has six Academy Award nominations and is the first film not in the English language to win Best Picture winning four Oscars tonight. I think this was actually on my list last year, Mark. I think it was my number one last year. Well, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But as I say, it didn't come out in the UK till 2020. So... No, no, totally. Exactly, yeah. But yeah. like that's, that's how much I think of it. So, yeah, yes. Luca definitely won to check out. And it won uh, the Oscars, didn't it? Yes, it did. You know what? I think it, um, the reason I got to see it, because uh, I watched it ages ago, uh, was because it was number one on your list. So I decided to watch yeah. it. But because I watched it in 2020 and it came out in the UK in 2020, I thought, what the hell? You know? No, absolutely fair. And like we say, at the minute, we're just <laughs> rolling with it. <laughs> there you go. And yeah, it's, I mean, film releases are getting delayed left and right. I mean, the new Ghostbusters film got delayed, I think, another year. So uh, these things are all coming out just at, at different times. So I think it's fair, you know. Yeah. Uh, Becky, you're number two. My number two, I actually changed this quite last minute. I've done um, that before. <laughs> it's allowed. <laughs> because I recently caught it. And uh, to be fair, this film originally came out in 2018. However, it only had, um, I believe, a UK release in 2020. And that is The Wolf House or La Casa Lobo. And it is a Chilean stop motion film created by Joaquin Cosina and Cristobal uh, Leon. around 70 minutes and it follows Maria a young woman who has escaped from a German colony which is based on a colonial dignidad and she seeks refuge in a house in the woods with wolves prowling outside and the only other inhabitants in the house are pigs uh, two pigs and Maria is able to unmake and remake the house to her desire and it is it's beautiful it's it's harrowing it's it's surreal it's a it's a complete experience and it's one i would say don't read up too much about it and just just watch it it took five years to make um the artwork's just stunning and it's really unpolished as well like you see the exposed wires the imperfections but it's all part of like the i think the deconstruction and creative process and theme at the heart of the film and try not to get 
too spoilery, but I mean, it's, it was described in one review I read um, as a, a fascist parable, and it really is. It's actually presented as a piece of visual propaganda to indoc- indoctrinate members into the sect. So it's a really surreal, nightmarish and unique commentary on Chilean's political history. So, I mean, it's, it's really, for me, the main thing that stood out, it was very reminiscent of like the surrealist films of uh, Jan uh, Schfunkmeier, is it? Um, the Czech filmmaker? Um, yeah, yeah, I think I've seen those. I've seen some of those. Yeah, like... Yeah, uh, they're ooh. like puppets and stuff right uh stop motion yeah like a uh, little otic um he well it's some stop motion but it's also puppet i might be thinking of something else yeah, i saw a trailer uh, for this and the animation is is very like unique looking like i can't think of, of anything like there are things that you, you can reference i guess but i don't think there's anything that looks quite like this it it looks fascinating like just the trailer made me kind of like wow this this looks crazy you know Absolutely. And I'd say just like go ahead and uh, watch it. It's it's a real experience. The only thing I can compare it with recently that I've watched was uh, I talked about, I think, kind of what we've been watching last year, uh, Bully Rectory, that experimental style, you know, using a, a load of different effects, uh, unusual effects. Uh, but it's it's truly creative, and it was just so refreshing to see something coming out in 2020, a year when things were delayed and whatever, and we, you know, we're seeing so many remakes and, you know, series completely being rebooted and things like that. So it was just so refreshing to see this. And it is, a, like I say, it was so creepy. It's with the uh, the Foley work and everything. It, it's, it's brilliant. I would um, definitely recommend it. So it just went straight to number two on my list. Nice. I've I've got to check this out. As you guys know, I have a love of uh, animation and horror. Like I think the two just for me goes just perfectly together. You know, it's it's kind of like um like comic book horror. Comic books and horror go perfectly together in my opinion as well. And so yeah, this this just uh just the look of it looks really cool. So I'm excited to to check this out. Um, it's actually. Uh, I didn't know what it was when you first mentioned it, Becky, until you started talking about it. And then I was like, oh, I saw the trailer for that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's on my uh, my list, I believe, over on Shudder, actually. So. No, yeah, you will love it. Yeah, so that may be what I watch tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, we're in, we're in number one territory now. So what is your number one horror film of 2020? Right, this is again one that people may argue is a 2019 movie because it came out, in, I think, in the US in November 2019. But again, it wasn't released in the UK until the end of January 2020. And it is The Lighthouse. Timberman want with being a wiki. Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? Just fill your beans. 
long have we been on this rock? Five weeks? Two days? Help me to recollect. A two-hander, really. It's got um, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe as two lighthouse keepers who start to descend into madness by their proximity and loneliness uh, and the things that happen to them. Uh, In many respects, I've seen a similar film uh, to this uh, from 2017, which I'm sure I have talked about on a previous episode. Um... Uh, here, uh, which was called Cold Skin. Um, I think I may have talked about it in terms of, uh, with respect to the shape of water, uh, which has a similar sort of thing. Again, that involves lighthousemen and, and, and strange happenings. Uh, but the lighthouse, uh, black and white movie, um, featured, as I say, William Defoe, Robert Pattinson. Amazing, amazing movie. It's black and white. It's framed in a very odd way, almost like a square. Uh, uh, rather than, you know, widescreen or something like that. It, I think that was done deliberately to give it a sense of claustrophobia. Oh, really? Uh, Interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, it's, and you know, it veers from funny to to uh, scary and weird to sort of intense drama because th- these two clashing off each other. It's almost like a, a parable of father and son in, in many respects, but it's also a parable of friends. Uh, and these guys... You know, about as close as you can get all the time <laughs> with what they're doing. Uh, but there's also some comedy in it. There's some bits where, like, you just generally, genuinely feel bad for one of the characters because the other one is criticizing their cooking and it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, one's like, but you don't like my lobster. Oh, you love the lobster. Uh, there's stuff going on. There is, uh, again, a bit of a trigger. There is some. Uh, and it is all special effects, I understand, what looks like a horrible uh, treatment of an animal uh, at one point. Really, really yeah. horrible. Um, um, yeah, that one got me too. Uh, I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I understand it's all CG, but it it's cat could be upsetting uh, for some people, for sure. Um, uh, so th- th- be warned about that. But man, this is an effective film. Uh, again, it feels a bit like Repulsion, uh, a bit like St. Maud. It's claustrophobic. It's like a, an internal study of, of, of things going wrong. It's a, you know, two people descending into madness rather than, which is often in the case in these kind of films. One person descending into madness. This is the pair of them kind of sparking off each other and and ended up and at one point they're sort of saying we've been here only been here four days or is it four weeks or it's something like that but essentially <laughs> they're losing track of time they don't know what yeah. do not know what's going on they're just drinking stuff there they're basically trying to find some ways to de- take their mind off the sort of solitude and the, the loneliness of it all uh in a fairly self-destructive way a really terrific performance Really love this film. Really great. Uh, I'd say this is the la- I'd describe this as the last masterpiece I've seen. Last masterpiece made that I've seen. I think this is close to a damn masterpiece. This. Wow. Uh, I liked it a lot myself. Um, it had, to me, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Shutter Island. I think just because of, you know. The, yeah, that's um, excellent. No, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yes. 
I mean, it, it really is very well done, and so much of it is based on just the acting, which, I mean, these two really do put on the performance of a lifetime. Uh, I wasn't really sure about when, you know, when I, I noticed they went for the kind of old school aspect ratio. I didn't realize they were doing that for, uh, it's not even old you... school. It's, it's a unique yeah. aspect ratio. It, it is. So... I, I was never sure, but now that you mention it, I think it does make it more claustrophobic, Mark. Um, Man, the, the acting is just sensational. And some of the scenes that you see just, oh my God. I mean, there's some, there's some truly horrifying stuff in this film as well. Um, yes. and it, it had sort of a, a Lovecraft feel to me as well. Did you feel like that? Absolutely. There was certainly, there was a touch of Cheddar of Rinsmouth madness in all of it. Um, yeah. Um, I really, I really, you know, oh, maybe masterpiece is a bit strong, but it it was funny, it was weird, it was dreamlike, it was beautiful looking in places, even despite the weird aspect ratio. But yeah, there was definitely elements of, you know, these people out on the edge of existence, trying to get on with things. In many ways, it reminded me of bits of. Twin Peaks to return. There's certain sections in that which are just dream like a weird, and this reminded me of that too. Um, there's a notorious episode, I think it's episode eight of season three, where it goes completely off the wall, and there was elements, I felt there was kind of similar elements. So, uh, yeah, great film. Robert Eggers made this, and he's made The Witch, which I think is also a, a terrific film. Yeah, um, I love that as so, well. Uh, the reason I watched this is because I thought the witch was so good. I'm not sure which I prefer. I like them both really a lot. So uh, I'm not sure which I prefer, but uh, um, it was just terrific. He also seems to manage to coax fantastic performances out of actors and uh, and actresses. Um, and he's done it again here. Uh, really, really like this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this one a lot too. It's uh very, very good. Uh, Becky, have you seen this one? I haven't, and it's uh, high on my list. Um, I have watched Cold Skin, and from the trailer and, and bits and bobs I've heard about it, it seems, you know, to be quite similar, but um, no, I'm I'm very excited to catch it. Yeah, I think you'll like it as well. The I will say the, the aspect ratio uh, threw me off a little bit until just now, us talking about it here, and I think that's why some of the ratings for the film... Um, in different places have been a little bit lower, but I, I think maybe that's the audience not connecting that. And, you know, people are so used to the, uh, what is it, uh, 16, 16 by whatever it is, uh, by nine ratio. or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think, and also the fact that it's in black and white, I know, has thrown a lot of audiences off. I think those of us here, you know, on this podcast and, and most of our listeners are movie lovers, so we don't mind the black and white, but, but I do think it's kind of thrown some general audiences off, unfortunately. Uh, but it is a really good film. Imagine, um, back here, imagine if they remade the comedy series Bottom as a horror film. That's kind of the vibe. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> now, Bottom involves two sad losers trying to get, get through the day, and it's very funny. Uh, but this has got that kind of vibe. Two men just trying to get along, and it's just not, you know. There's a bit of waiting for Godot about it. It's, and uh, it's just it's just 
really fun. And honestly, I did think of Bottom a few times while I was uh, watching it. It was like, yeah, man, this is like Richie and Eddie. <laughs> now I gotta look that up too. <laughs> you do see um, Willem Dafoe's Bottom as well, don't you? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I, I know can't you remember see... now. I, I wasn't really. <laughs> Watching it, I can't remember now, but yes, I'm pretty sure you do. But you see some funny stuff, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely see Pattinson, you know. <laughs> He's, <laughs> uh, you see more of him than I would have preferred, probably. But uh, <laughs> yeah. actually, both of them come to think of it. Yeah, you yeah, see both I of them. Yeah, I think it's both of them. <laughs> um, it's been a while since I've watched this. Um, yeah. I mean, I, the other reason I think I, I, I'm not sure if Masterpiece is a bit strong, but I've got a feeling that this improves with watching. I think uh, so you too, know, yeah. The first time it's great, but the more times you watch it, the better it is. I think it's one of those kind of films. Is my feeling on it. I've only watched it once, because uh, it's kind of quite strong. Uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I don't think definitely. you can watch it. Oh, I want to watch it again tomorrow. It's kind of, <laughs> it, it's kind of intense and strong, but it's, it's delicious uh, in the way it does it. Ah, delicious is a good word, especially considering the uh, director. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I think mm-hmm. this is one we should also cover in long form at some point on UNH because it really, I think it deserves it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not a def- masterpiece. It's damn close, you know? Yeah, it, it's definitely got a touch of Lovecraft. It's got a touch of the Poe as well. There's a bit of almost not quite Telltale Heart, but there's a certain, you know, intensity to it, which is Poe-like. So yeah. uh, that that sort of I think as well from from the themes that you've talked about. Um, I know we had a lot of issues with the sound when we touched on. You know, we did an episode on the witch, so maybe it would be interesting to actually cover the witch and the lighthouse together. Ooh, double bill, yeah, Possibly, yeah, yeah. I can see it, that working, uh, or basically any one of the Descent into Madness films, and we've covered a few actually tonight. <laughs> Um, uh, also Cold Skin but Cold Skin would power I think in comparison to this though I do like Cold Skin I think it's a very interesting feel uh, but um, uh, I mean one of the aspects of the madness is the actual sexual frustration of the men so that that's kind of interesting uh, which is also an aspect of Cold Skin uh, but yeah the witch uh, tonally is very similar, I guess, but story-wise and co- and themes-wise, it's quite a different film. This. I just think in terms of the way that it deals with um, gender, would be really interesting to to compare the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah and the, yeah, yeah. the claustrophobia or claustrophobic kind of um, kind of dynamic that both films capture as well, I think, would be an interesting conversation. A really interesting one would be something like whatever happened to Baby Jane, because that is basically two women locked in a house together and sending each other mad, and this is two men. <laughs> <laughs> we might just have to do a a, a, a madness episode or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, I think you need to see it, Becky, and then you can sort of think, well, what's a good pair with this? Yeah, uh, but absolutely. the witch seems uh, not bad, but it's it's because it's the director, right? It, rather than the tonality or the the similar themes. Uh, I'm sure there's other films where two women are stuck in 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 a confined space and sort of have to get along. We should uh, maybe we should just watch Bottom with it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's talk of this director doing uh, a remake of Nosferatu as well, and I've said this before, I believe on on this show. I feel like if anyone's going to tackle that kind of material, it should be him. 
funny enough, you know what? Some of this film uh, made me think of Werner Herzog. Um, stuff like Fitzcarraldo and uh, Aguirre. There were certain elements in this film that reminded me of um, Klaus Kinski and Aguirre, Wrath of God. Um, so, yeah, uh, that would be kind of... And, you know, obviously Werner Herzog did a version of Nosferatu, so that would be kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, um, now I'm interested. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard anything about it in a while. Obviously, with uh, with COVID, things got delayed, but, but I have a feeling, you know, in a couple of years... We may be talking about that film, which uh, is I think this pretty exciting. Guy, I think this guy is possibly the most interesting horror director to watch out for. Um, him and possibly Ben Wheatley. I'm not, I'm not quite sure with Ben Wheatley because he, he kind of rises and falls. In many respects, it shares some elements with A Field in England as well, in it, it, how it looks and sort of the, 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 the themes it's covering. That involves four men in a field really, you know, being forced to dig up something. So it's got some similar things that are filled in England, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm really excited to catch In the Earth, his new film. Yes, yes, indeed, yes. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Lots of good stuff coming, no doubt. Well, I think we could talk about this one uh, all night. Obviously, we've got got, uh, a lot to say about The Lighthouse. But, Becky, let's move on to your number one, your favorite film, of 2020. Okay, so again, the date's a little bit iffy on this one, but it was actually a documentary, and it was a leap of faith, the William Friedkin talking about the Exorcist documentary. This is Bill Friedkin, day one, take one. Everything has to do with the mystery of fate, or faith, and The Exorcist is about the mystery of faith. I knew exactly how I wanted to make it. I marked up my own copy of the hardcover. I didn't want any backstory, no flashbacks. Just a straight-ahead story that was done as realistically as possible. Over the decades, it's been interpreted and reinterpreted. Many people look at the ending of the film as ambiguous. Doesn't appear to have been a problem for the millions of people who've seen the film. They accept what we showed. It asks for a total leap of faith on the part of the audience. And, I mean, I was so moved by it. And again, I think it's so introspective. I think, you know, 2020 was... A difficult year for everybody we've we've talked about it you know i've spoken a little bit in the group we've all had issues you know we've not gone into too much detail but you know i i i lost two family members um and my pet in in 2020 within you know two months so it, it, it was definitely i think the lockdown and everything made me even more acutely introspective and watching leap of faith 
even if you know, you know, you think you know a fair bit about The Exorcist or it's not a favourite film, William Freakin is so candid about every aspect of the creative experience, and it's I, I learned so much more uh, about the film than I expected to, and it's just mesmerising to hear him talk about all the tiny flourishes that seamlessly are woven into the fabric of the film and how these influences uh, are drawn from the fabric of his life. And um, I just found it deeply, deeply moving. And it's, I think, it's a masterclass from a master about a masterpiece, if that makes any sense. That's the only way I can describe it. I'd say just just go and, and watch it and listen to him. There's just so much in there that I connected with, particularly during a, a difficult year. And just the way that, you know, we're all lovers of film, we're all lovers of horror film. And it's such a beautiful tribute to horror and just how wonderful, I mean, technically, you know, culturally everything that the genre can be and how much it informs our lives and how art, history, everything is so embedded within the the genre. It's it's just a, a really beautiful documentary that, you know, I didn't expect it to be as effective as it was um and it's also my goal now to have a zen garden which Matt will understand mine too actually <laughs> mine too. um and i'm not being facetious i literally thought that right at the end i want a zen garden um he talks about zen garden near the end and it's quite moving actually very moving that i agree completely with everything becky says here uh this is uh, a really wonderful documentary about possibly one of the greatest horror films ever made but it's not just technical it's it reveals things about the human spirit and the way to approach things and how to almost like live your life almost it's it's that good um and i just found it quite moving actually and the only reason it's not in my top five is i didn't feel it was a horror film actually um which is a bit knee um but it was it is a great documentary um only available on shudder uh, and you have to sign up uh to watch it but i did and it was worth it you, there is a seven day trial so you could do that to see see this film um uh, but totally worth it it was a really really great documentary well, now I have two things to watch tonight on Shudder, so <laughs> if that tells you anything, uh, you know, we're not getting paid by Shudder, by the way. We're really not. Um, no. Nah. You know, I, I wish we were. Shudder, you know, come on. But <laughs> but no, uh, this sounds awesome, and I mean, The Exorcist, one of the best horror films ever made, uh, one of the most effective as well. I mean, it still scares the hell out of me even now, so I'm kind of excited to, uh, to hear more about this as well as... Um, you know the man himself who who wrote the the book yeah i will say as part of the documentary they um they do use shots from the exorcist really well to inform the mood yeah and, and the, well the vibe edited. of it so uh it's just really well put together yeah and just just to give you a tiny snippet for example like something that you may not even notice is that freaking talks about he Throughout the film, he has these moments of ascension and the characters are always walking upstairs or, you know, uh, walking up an incline. So there's this religious uh, journey, if you will, of faith, whatever. And it isn't until he says that and you start to deconstruct the film. It's it's so fantastically put together, so clever. And I think, you know, modern films tend to be so 
you know the pacing you know talking to friends my age um so many people will not watch a film before a certain decade because the pacing is off and i think that's just something we've really lost with these blockbusters in a lot of respects yeah and oh it, gosh i it, totally agree well it's just so fascinating to see him break that down i agree uh, i think for mainstream films that's true what you've just said but i think there's a, still a lot of art house and indeed horror films yeah which uh which uh work, work at a different pace and they work well because of it oh absolutely sorry yeah. sorry that's the great thing yeah. about the horror genre, right? Yeah, and that would be, sorry, mainstream, you know, friends who aren't necessarily into horror or whatever that just, just won't even consider watching um, a film that is, you know, isn't as, as it doesn't hold their attention. Oh, yeah. If it's not literally, you know, boom, boom, boom. Like, I think if you looked at how many cuts were in, you know, a Marvel film, for example, compared yeah. to, to an art house film, you know, it, the, 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 the disparity is, is really um, interesting, I think. Yeah. On the other hand, if I went to see Fast and Furious 9 and it was paced like The Exorcist, I would be a bit annoyed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, two very different kinds of film. But, yes. But it's it's interesting, you know, because, like, I, I know people who, again, they, they're like, okay, the film's in black and white, like, I'm not watching that, you know. And, and to me, that's a shame because you're you're missing out on a world of wonderful films, not just in the horror genre, but, you know, there's a lot of great comedies, dramas from the, the black and white era of film. But, yeah, it's it's crazy how, uh, I guess, people just get so caught up in a certain way they want a movie to go. But But I do think horror films, the good thing is that they keep changing as we go. And as much as I love classic horror, like, that's really my my area where I... Uh, you know, enjoy the most. I, I think modern horror is still coming out with great stuff too. And 2020 has shown that the the innovation that we've been talking about, I think. And also, just to mention on the back of that, the the British Film Institute uh, BFI here has like an online, it's like a course for children, and it's all gothic cinema, and it's like a pack, so parents can work through different films that are you know appropriate for youngsters, but they introduce them to horror at an early age, and I think that's a really nice way of doing it because it looks at you know some older films that children just may not be exposed to but they might be interested in horror so i think that's a really nice oh that's um, so cool yeah i think i think that's really nice yeah i mean gosh when i i think back you know i was as i've said i was very uh, restricted by my parents on what i could and couldn't watch but i was able to watch things like the universals you know like dracula the wolfman and uh and i think even the uh well, the first Dracula I ever saw was, uh, you know, what we called horror of Dracula over here. So if it wasn't for seeing those films at a very young age, you know, who knows? Maybe I wouldn't appreciate horror the way that I do. So it's that's really, really neat, I think. And I think there is an appropriate way to expose children to horror, you know, a fun way. And uh sounds like they're they're doing right by by the uh, the kids over there. Yeah, in some respects. <laughs> in some respects. Well, you know, same can be said for here. <laughs> Well, we've talked about the best of 2020. Let's talk about some of the worst. Mark, I'll start with you. Uh, what are a few of your worst films uh, well, of 2020? Um, I did mention that Hosts, which I mistook for Host. That was pretty awful. And I was just <laughs> going to talk about that. But then it occurred to me there was another film which uh, wasn't labeled a horror film, but is truly at its heart horrific. Um in in many respects, and that is Cats. 
Yeah, I think that may be <laughs> I, a true horror movie right there. <laughs> I, I, all right, it did actually come out in late December in the UK, but I went to see it in 2020. So I, I actually <laughs> went to see this at the cinema. Uh, and there is one scene which honestly is horror, um, where a singing cat uh, um, <laughs> takes off the skin of another cat at one point. So that that made me think of Buffalo Bill, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the character. It was uh, played by... Oh, I forgot her name. I'm so annoyed. I'm looking at the cast list and not finding it. Uh, she's the... Oh, the Australian actress. Uh, she's comedian. Oh, what's her name? I. I she's in the Pitch the Perfect movies. Uh, oh. Rebel gosh. Wilson. Rebel Wilson. Yeah. At one point, yeah. she's doing a song and dance routine and... She's in like she's dancing around and she unzips her front and takes off a cat skin, basically to reveal another cat skin, and that qualifies as horror, right? Indeed. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, uh, but oh man, this film is a Lovecraftian nightmare of of bad bloodlines getting mixed up and. Uh, and weird stuff going on. There's all these horny, half human, half cat things. Uh, that uh, basically all want all want to shack. Basically, you can just tell that's a, that's a lot of uh, modern <laughs> modern uh, yeah. youngsters' dreams nowadays. I think yeah. with all the, the cat, everything is cat. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, there's just uh, it's just a nightmare. It's just an absolute nightmare. This film. Um, it, honestly, I felt like I'd taken some sort of hallucinogen halfway by halfway through because <laughs> it was so, so weird. I think because the CGI is a little off. For example, I've heard that too. Yeah, the human turns the head; it's slightly delayed, so it gives you that weird feeling, almost like seasickness, that makes you disoriented and odd. And this film was bonkers. Um, and I understand it's a cult film now, and yeah, okay. But honestly, it's 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 got levels of weirdness in it that feel your you feel like your mind is starting to slip after a while. Uh, really, honestly, <laughs> it's so weird. So yes, okay. Is it a fever? You seen this film? I've only seen the trailer, and that was enough to make me not want to see this <laughs> film. But uh, no, my my mother in law actually she's seen it, and I've been told stay far away. So, but <laughs> yes, yes. uh, there's a bit where Ray Winston does a, does a song, and it's imagine um, Tom Waits has been given some ketamine and told to sing. That's kind of the effect. Uh, <laughs> it kind of has, and it's like, oh my goodness. Dear Lord. Uh, <laughs> It's almost like smile and back away, please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I saw this at the cinema. Oh, bless yeah, you. How about that? <laughs> but I was expecting it to be terrible, so I was like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm hoping this is good. It's like, right. yeah, this this is probably going to be terrible. But yeah, we're going. There's bits where they're singing mice and cockroaches as they're ha- mice happily singing. They're getting eaten by cats. It's so oh, weird. Geez. It's just so weird. Yeah, that I I've heard all those things you're you're saying, and uh, so it, it's kind of a shame because I know they put a ton of money into this film, uh, especially casting some really famous people. So it's kind of like 
if this can get made, you know, why can't some other really good films get made that are, you know, I mean, it's just hard to get funding for films right now anyway. It is. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff with Ian McKellen, right? Ian McKellen, great actor. I love him. him But honestly, the stuff he's doing in this is like, imagine like your first day at drama school and you're 14 or or 16 or something. Someone says, right, we're going to be cats. Uh, (laughs) And that was the level. It was, and it's like, what? What? <laughs> but having uh, said that, he does have a monologue later on, which is actually pretty good because he's Ian McKellen. But yeah, he um, can do no wrong. Uh, yeah, he, he's bit is one of the few decent bits in the whole film. Um, yeah. But oh man, it's so and, weird. It's so even, weird. Like the CGI when they they had to go back and make all the changes. They've changed, have they? Yeah, like um, what she got Judy Dench. Her her hand is human. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that right at the end, yeah. Yeah, and, and like... she's got a ring on. <laughs> and like you say, all the money that's thrown at that, and then all of the, you know, projects that are struggling to get made, and, you know, there's a big thing over throughout 2020 about they were releasing uh, online, I think, a lot of projects directed by women and leaving the ones, you know, made by established men for the theatrical release, which was a bit of a, obviously an issue but wait and see how everything turns out as we 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 go back to the theaters and such it would be nice just to see equality all around as we move forward in all genres not just horror anyway that's enough about cats that that i just wanted to get that off my chest yeah (laughs) you had to after after seeing that monstrosity it was bonkers it was uh it was uh but the thing is it kind of just keeps coming back to me it's like it's (laughs) It's like a bad, a bad acid trip or something. It, it haunts your dreams at night, right? <laughs> to see it on the big screen was quite. It was, you know. Um, uh, see, I'm becoming disoriented just talking about it. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> uh, well, Becky, how about for you? Any any films that uh, you know that are giving you horrible nightmares about cats or otherwise? <laughs> To be honest, not really, I don't think. Um, I didn't watch that much over 2020, like, I'll, I'll be honest, like, with everything going on. Mark, any others for you? Uh, no, well, uh, there was one other that was extremely disappointing because I heard good things about it, and the acting was very good, and the direction was very good, but in the end it was like, I want my money back after watching it, and that was Vivarium. Um, have you heard of this? This is basically a couple go see a house and they get stuck in this neighborhood. And it's kind of a horror version or a sort of nightmarish version of Groundhog Day. That really annoyed me because I was quite intrigued and I, it, I, and it, I kept wanting it to actually go somewhere and it kind of didn't as far as I'm concerned. So I got annoyed. And there's Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg and they both give great performances. But it's just, and and there's some other stuff in it that's really good, but it's just so aggravating that it didn't deliver anything as far as I could see, really. Uh, but when they, if you think back on it, and if I were to describe the premise to someone, it's like, well, what else did you expect? That's what it was going to be. But <laughs> but even so, it's like I felt quite angry about it by the time I finished it. But I did sit for it all, so it was engaging me in some way. But that's it, really. Yeah. And I guess, you know, they can't all be good. 
which nah. is unfortunate, but it makes us appreciate the good ones even more, I uh, suppose. Well, the other thing is that it's got good reviews, so I don't agree with those reviews, basically. I found that there are a lot of films I like that critics in particular will absolutely hate. You know, I use Plex now as I slowly convert my DVDs and stuff to digital media, and it always shows, like, Rotten Tomato scores and all put in something like, uh, I don't know, um, you know, a Hammer Dracula film, and it'll have, like, a, you know, a low rating from a critic, and I'll be like, man, I love that film. What the heck? <laughs> so, <Have they? laughs> you know, you can't go yeah. by critics. No, but no more from me. No. All righty. Well, we want to end on a positive note. So how about great horror television and uh, just television in general uh, from the medium or rather the genre of horror in 2020? Uh, was there any were there any standouts for either of you? I've got a couple of TVs that I've got, I want to mention but fairly yeah, briefly. Go for it. Um, season two of Kingdom. Kingdom is on Netflix. It, I watched season one. Really great. Korean medieval zombies yeah really so well good. made really effective really scary really exciting look beautiful interesting characters season two continues that trend really good strong solid recommend uh, another show i quite liked was on amazon prime uh, called truth seekers british show with nick frost and uh, simon Pegg was in it as well um about a guy that's kind of interested in all sorts of things but interested in kind of supernatural stroke conspiracy theory stuff he's a he's a cable salesman uh not salesman cable engineer you know cable tv and and phones and stuff um uh, and it just so happens that the ghosts in this universe kind of interfere with telecommunication stuff. So often when he gets called to places, there's some sort of ghostly aspect. Interesting show, not episodic. It's one longer story, though the episodes do stand alone. Uh, but it is one long story, and I really liked it. Unfortunately, it got cancelled, so there's only the one season. But it was a worth a it's worth a watch. And finally, my favourite um, horror TV. This was horror comedy, co- comedy, horror comma really. This is Ghosts, uh, recommended by Bruce Hannon in the first instance, one of our uh, friends of the show, big contributor on the uh, UNH Facebook group. Indeed, um, yeah. He suggested it. I watched some, really loved it, and it just got better and better. Uh, made by the same people that make Horrible Histories, which I always thought was a really quality show and fun show uh, and educational too. But they've uh, done something different where they're basically is on based on the premise of, well, if there are such a thing as ghosts, wouldn't they just stack up over the years in one place? You know, um, and that's kind of what happens. So there's all these ghosts from different years having to interact with uh, the one human, one living person that can actually see them, and with each other, and they've got differences of opinion. You know, one's Victorian, and another one's a caveman, and you know, <laughs> one's Elizabethan, uh, and uh, stuff like that. And it's a really, really engaging and fun comedy. It's had two seasons and a Christmas special. It's worth watching. So those are the ones uh, that I'd I would recommend highly. Uh, they're yeah. all. The last two are British shows, uh, Kingdom obviously is Korean, but um, uh, they're really good and fun, so big recommend for me. Okay, yeah, I'll have to see if I can track that down. I I haven't seen uh, Ghosts available anywhere here in the U.S., so it may be uh, a little harder for us to track that down. Yeah, if BBC Stream, you know, BBC America or something might have it, I don't know. It it wasn't a... 
was it? It might have been a BBC show. I can't remember now. But they often show, you know, any show from it, any uh, any channel on American BBC. I think. Yeah, um, you never quite know where it's going to go these days. <laughs> it may even be on the iPlayer, actually. Um, okay. So that might be yeah. a possibility. But really good, enjoyable show, and you actually. Yeah really like the characters that's that's one of the things you engage with the characters and care about them so that's quite important and uh helps helps with the watchability all right guys before we wrap up we're going to talk about a few honorable mentions here and mark let's start with you if i can uh a few honorable mentions from the best of 2020 for films I've got a few. A few we've already talked about. The host we've already talked about. That was definitely on my list. Uh, Leap of Faith 2. Um, uh, also, The Vigil. I really like The Vigil. I uh, just wanted to say The Vigil reminded me a little of a much earlier film, a Russian film called The V, uh, where uh, a monk, uh, an orthodox, um, Russian orthodox monk, had to sort of do a um, watch over a body and all sorts of weird. Now that's a more of a comedy feel, but it, it made me think. Ah, the vigil's kind of the same thing, but a serious version. Uh, so that was that. Um, there's a film out, a British horror film called His House, about a Sudanese refugees coming to England and uh, having to deal with kind of racism and and sort of issues of living in England, but it's still better than where they were. Uh, and it ties up to themes of guilt and stuff like that. And it involves things involving African witchcraft. So that's an interesting one. Good film. Good film. I think it was on Netflix. Uh, so I'll give that a big recommend. His House, that one was. Uh, a film um, I think I talked about in the UNH group recently, Love and Monsters. Uh, I really, really like this one. Uh, Post-apocalypse, animals have become sort of weird mutant things and the humans are hiding in bunkers. But one guy who's a bit useless has to trek, wants to go see his girlfriend who's in another bunker and treks out into the open. And it's about him learning how to survive in this place and interacting with other people. One of the things I really like this one was it's a dystopian future, but it's... People were actually nice to each other and look after each other to try and survive these these animals. Uh, and in fact, we even find out some of the animals are not as hostile as the human think they are. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, that one made me think of uh, Fallout, actually, the video game. Yes, and, yes, uh, there was kinda, a bit of that. Yeah, kind of going back to that 1950s, like, atomic monsters, you know. Uh, yeah. I liked all that. That was cool. That was a really yeah, good Yeah, there one. was some great stuff in it. Good film, great yeah. film. And I think suitable for most of the family. You know, it's uh, yeah, young teenagers up. Um, another film I really like, which is in the folk horror vein, I think is a little underrated, is called Gretel and Hansel. It's like a, another telling of, of the Hansel and Gretel story done in a sort of, in a, it's got the same kind of vibe as The Witch. Uh, uh, it's the young girl who played Bev in the first It film. That that girl uh, is in it as as Gretel, and her Hansel is a much younger boy, and she's looking after him. But they get taken in by this woman who may or may not be a witch, and may not may not have powers. And it's a slow burn film, but it's really really good and a very worthy addition to folk horror. Um, and then a couple of others are more fun, goofy. Uh, there's one called VFW, which is the same kind of vein as The Hunt. Uh, it's about 
it's it's almost more like a thriller actually than a horror, but it's basically um, these old war veterans get laid siege to by this gang. So it's almost like a bit of assault on Precinct 13 kind of vibe uh, going on. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of old actors in it that are really interesting to see in this kind of role. Um, uh, so that was fun. And another one which was completely goofy and may put people off from its name alone, it was Uncle Peckerhead. Uh, which is a comedy horror about a band who take on a roadie who happens to be a cannibalistic demon at certain times. Uh, but he's kind of looking after them and works in their favour. Uh, and it's kind of funny. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. But the title yeah. sounds goofy, right? Uncle Peckhead. It's funny, um, though. I liked it, too. Yeah, but, oh, you've seen it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I have uh, seen that one. <laughs> so those are my honourable mentions. Very cool. Becky, how about you? To add to Mark's list, I would have The Amulet, which is kind of an antithesis to The Vigil um, in terms of confronting the past and atonement. And again, I can't say too much without giving anything away, but specifically the relationship between two characters who embody expiation and reparation. And ultimately, one of them has um, propitiation. Um, but it's it's really hard to talk about, but it's more pagan in terms of its, its folklore and it's the directional uh, debut from um, Romola Gari, I think is how you pronounce the second name, who is an actor and was brilliant in, ironically, Atonement. She played the young Saoirse Ronan, I think it is. She played her as an adult. There's some excellent gore, a very interesting non-design mark. And yeah. Uh, some I thought creative narrative turns that that really sit with you long after the film's finished. Yeah, I liked it. I, d- I definitely don't like it as much as you, Becky. That's for sure. Um, I found it was a bit portentous for for my liking in places, but there was definitely class in in you know in the the mood, the camera work, the mu the music was really good. Um, but I found it a bit the pacing was a bit too slow to suit me personally. Yeah, no, I get that. I definitely felt that as well. Um, it's an interesting addition, I think, to uh, quite a few religious films we've t- we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so mold. It, absolutely, yeah. We've talked about faith, isolation, uh, loneliness, some really interesting themes. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, I think those are those make for good horror movies, especially these days there's certainly a thread running through 2020 horror which is about isolation and descent into madness or Mm -hmm. uh, how how you know uh, even if it's there's people around they're often in locations that are like isolated right that's part of the horror so there's definitely a theme of that type uh you know the ones i've mentioned his his house is about you know a couple they're in among people but they're alone in effect uh, and so on so uh, it's kind of interesting Greta and Hansel same thing uh, yeah. so yeah interesting totally and same with Lodge which is my next film on my list um, which is part of the new iteration from uh, Hammer Film Productions yeah. but it's it's like it's slick it's dark and it's uh, you know thoroughly modern it has a cool element again without giving too much away and very very dark i know you've watched this haven't you mark yes yes i thought it was a good film but it was a little too downbeat for my for my liking um i didn't feel uh the characters deserved what happened to them um yes 
uh, offended my sensibility in that respect. <laughs> no. You know, I like a story where people get what's coming on. You know, and we know in horror, there's often a twist at the end where bad things happen. But it was a descent almost all the way down, this film. Uh, but I can't fault it. It was a class, classy looking film uh, and well done. Yeah. Um, so it was a good film, but not one I enjoyed particularly. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think that's what makes The Vigil such a, a an uplifting film. As you, yeah. as you the, I watched The Vigil. I watched The Lodge first and then The Vigil. And that's the right way watched, to do it. That's the right way to do it because <laughs> it, they feel totally much the same, but The Vigil has this ascension aspect near the end. So it was really good. It may have even fed into why I like The Vigil so much because I've kind of seen two films of the same tone. But the second one, you know, had a transcendent aspect to it. And my third film I'd mention would be Metamorphosis, which is a, a South Korean film. And it is essentially The Exorcist. You have um, Jung Soo is an exorcist. He's described as, as a smelling of death, which I thought was great. Um, and it's, a, a, you know, a demon, an entity from a prior exorcism that's coming after him and it goes after his family and uh, kind of baits him to 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 come to the house and have that that showdown and it is a as the title suggests it changes in terms of it's a, it's a changeling who impersonates different members of the family so you have some really interesting dynamics and um, nothing particularly new with the film but it, it's just it looks great and it's, it's a little bit long. I think it was over two hours. Yeah, it, it's a fairly dynamic film. It, it uh, I must have misunderstood this because I thought it, the thing was possessing different members of the family. Was it taking on their appearance? I completely missed that. Um, yeah, because it was like a doppelganger. Because people would appear. Oh, oh no, I saw that bit, but I thought that was only to the person it was possessing. So I completely misunderstood. Oh, no, see, that the other people and family saw I the, the, the two. Possessed. And the, at the end, it, yeah, there was possession. It was uh, kind of like that, okay. you know, oppression, possession kind of thing I, I took, unless I've completely read it wrong. Um, but again, like, would you agree? It's nothing new as such. No, it was, it was, uh, it was entertaining. Yeah. Uh, but nothing we haven't seen before uh, in many respects. It was kind of a more d- dynamic version of The Exorcist, perhaps, is, yeah. is the way to describe it. The Exorcist with a family, basically. Mm-hmm. There is something about Korean cinema and the film they use. I don't know what it is, but it just makes things pop so much more than, I think, Hollywood film, whatever digital <laughs> stuff they're using. Maybe it's the cameras. I don't know. But uh, I love the look of Korean cinema. Yeah, I've watched a fair bit of 2020 horror. I watched a sequel to Train to Busan, for example, uh, which I think was called Peninsula. I didn't mention it here because it isn't particularly a horror film. It's more an action film. But it does pop, yeah, and it's kind of exciting. Uh, but generally, yeah, Korea's really knocking out of the part in cinema. And that has been for, a while. I'd yeah. say, for t- 10, 15 years now. Yeah, I, I feel like Korean cinema has sort of taken over where in many respects, Hong Kong cinema sort of left off. Yeah, I think the groundbreakers were stuff like Old Boy, uh, The Good, The yeah. Bad, and The Weird, oh, stuff yeah. like that. Um, Great uh, films. They, they really, really... Put, and The Host. Uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah. And it was something to watch, wasn't it? 
And it's just a little off off kilter for Western sensibilities, which keeps it interesting. You're never quite sure where a story's going to go. So I like that. Yeah, I think that's definitely the beauty of it, for sure. Whereas Meta, talking of which, Metamorphosis felt very much a sort of Western story, but done in Korea to me. Do you, do you think, Beck? Yeah, with little inflections, I think that, like you say, just took it a little bit, elevated it a little bit. Um, what but yeah, made it, it odd was, was the emphasis on Christianity in Korea. That, exactly, right? yeah, that's yeah. my point, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of Koreans are Christian, at least, you know, here in the States, and I assume in, it sounds like it's spread to Korea as well. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely, it's um, just, we, you know, it's just feels, it's not something that uh, we're not used to that part of the world being Christian, you know, right. in, in media, that, that's yeah. what it is really. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, different, but, for sure. There's no shortage of great horror films to watch. No. When you start digging, because I was thinking, is that much for 2020? But man, when I started digging, I found some great stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. I think as bad as 2020 was as a year, uh, there was some great horror to watch. And then in 2021, we've got some great stuff coming. And I think uh, we'll have some surprises along the way as well. I hope not. <laughs> Well, I mean, good surprises, hopefully. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> We're so used to bad news, that's what it is. It's like, don't tell us anything, please. <laughs> exactly. Please, no more, no more. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening to the United Nations of Horror. You can find us online at unhpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups. Uh, I believe it's slash UN of Horror. I actually don't have that URL here, so I have to look that up later. <laughs> um, well, the Facebook is Facebook slash groups slash UN of Horror. Thank say. you, Mark. I appreciate that because I thought I had put it in and never did for uh, whatever reason for my little cheat sheet here. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at UNH Podcast, and we will see you soon right back here on the United Nations of Horror. Stay spooky, everybody. Thank you.